Welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. I am Eric Sufert. Today, my guest is David Philipson, who has about as long and storied a career in mobile advertising and mobile ad tech as anyone I can imagine. David was the co-founder and COO of AdX, which was the first mobile advertising attribution platform and which was acquired by Criteo, the public display advertising company, in 2013. After leaving Criteo, David served as an advisor and investor to a number of technology companies, and in 2019, he founded Dataseat, which is a self-serve suite of user acquisition tools that gives advertisers access to a DSP and DMP for fully transparent advertising and retargeting. I should note here that I am an advisor to Dataseat, but I wanted to bring David on because I wanted to have someone as experienced and intimately familiar with mobile advertising explain the actual mechanics of the advertising process. When I work with companies as a consultant, it's fairly common for people on user acquisition teams to not know much about the underlying dynamics at play in their advertising campaigns. They know that they set bids and possibly even know that an auction is used to determine which advertisers get to serve which impressions, but their grasp of the system doesn't go much deeper than that, especially outside of the big self-attributing network platforms like Facebook, Google, Snapchat, etc. My inspiration for this podcast was the old schoolhouse rock animation, How a Bill Becomes a Law. I wanted David to walk listeners through the process of how a bid becomes an install, and I think he did a very excellent job at that. In the podcast, we also talk about the future of mobile advertising identifiers like the IDFA and programmatic in-housing. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the um, slightly more regular due to COVID mobile dev memo podcast. I am chatting today with David Philipson. Uh, he is the CEO and founder of Dataseat. Um, I've introduced David uh, just before this portion of the podcast, but I'll actually ask David to provide a bit of a sort of brief introduction of himself uh, in his own words. Sure, and, and and thanks, Eric. Thanks for inviting me. It's good. It's good to be here. Good to be talking to people whilst we're uh, otherwise in lockdown. Um, but yeah, like I said, th- thanks for inviting me. Just give you a, a bit of a uh, a, a quick bio, um, you know, kind of why uh, I've got some subject matter expertise around this programmatic uh, for in-app and um, you know attribution, everything that goes with it. So, uh, the business that I have founded uh, about eighteen months ago is called DataSeat. Um, we're kind of leading the proposition around app developers in-housing programmatic media buying. Um, so that's kind of our headline uh, proposition. Uh, just to give you a little bit of context onto why uh, we are doing that, uh, one of my previous businesses that I founded was one of the first MMPs. Uh, some of you old enough will remember a business called Addix Tracking. It was it was actually the first MMP. Uh, we then sold that to a company called Critio. Um, I then joined Critio and built their in-app retargeting business. So it was actually that combined experience of being the accountants of the industry in attribution and then going to what was the original black performance black box, uh, which was Critio, that combined experience that was led to DataSeq, which is, we believe, that the answer to most of the industry's problems is transparency and control and actually taking ownership of your programmatic campaigns. Great. Thank you so much for, for, for coming on the podcast. Sure. My pleasure. So we were talking the other day and um, we kind of got to the topic of the general level of knowledge for mobile user acquisition um, professionals uh, with respect to, to just the sort of underlying mechanics of how ad impressions uh, are served and then the, how they become 
DAU, basically how someone installs an app. And so I thought um, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is you've obviously, you know, you've got yeah, a really uh, impressive background in, in mobile advertising um, basically since its inception. And so I thought you'd be the per perfect person to kind of explain that process. What I, I'm, I came up with this, this idea of uh, or a, a name for this sort of uh, journey called how a, how, a, how a bid becomes a DAO, right? So like, like that um, Schoolhouse Rock video, how a bill becomes a law. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to walk us through that. So I'll just sort of let you do that. Uh, could you walk us through how a bill, uh, sorry, how a bid becomes a DAO? How a bid becomes a DAO? Well, I'll, 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 do, my, I'll do my very best, uh, you know, kind of summarizing a very complex, um, you know, kind of complex e e ecosystem. But I'll just give it give context because programmatics becoming, you know, more and more of a bigger topic. But I just want to differentiate between a marketeer that is buying on a CPI or a CPA, so they're signing an IO or putting in their CPI or CPA bid price that they're willing to pay. They're not actually buying programmatically. The, the company they're buying from, they are buying programmatically, most likely, you know, from, from the ad exchanges. You know, so one of, one of the definitions that I have of buying programmatically is that you have to be buying on a CPM basis and actually running the arbitrage yourself. You know, so, so buying on a CPM, trying to uh, turn a bid into an impression, an impression into a click, a click into a download. You know, so when you run that whole process yourself, you are buying programmatically. If you're only buying installs, then you're actually outsourcing the programmatic arbitrage to another party. Okay, so if, if you are buying programmatically, or if you want to understand more about how it works, coming back to your original, original question, but let, let's, let's give it context. If you are a publisher, for example, you know, let's just say you've got a, you've got an app, it's, it's, it's a gaming app and you're looking, looking to monetize it. You know, five, 10 years ago, there were very few companies that would have been able to monetize it. Probably AdMob, you know, Quattro Wireless, you know, if, you're, if you're as, been in this as long as I have. But um, what happened over time is that the number of companies that can monetize your inventory increased. You know, then you had Mopa, Source, App Loving, more and more monetization SDKs. Which is why, if you if, if if you were the publisher trying to get the highest CPMs and the highest yields, you would then want to work with multiple uh, multiple SSPs or exchanges or companies that can monetize your inventory. That's when you introduce the waterfall approach or me, or mediation. Uh, MoPub offers mediation. Ironsource offers mediation. So now mediation just means that you may want to give one of these third parties a priority. Um, we call that first look. Uh, Google or Facebook audience network or app there often have these first look opportunities and that would be saying I want to give uh, uh, Google's ad exchange first look at an impression let's say that then there is then uh, an impression available uh, this, uh, another thing that people don't actually realize that this actually happens ahead of time um, you know to actually run all of these auctions in real real time and get responses and serve ads you know within milliseconds is actually impossible so what these ad exchanges are actually doing, they're anticipating an impression coming up over the next few minutes or even in a few hours. This is why sometimes you get impressions the day after you've successfully bid and won. Um, but let's say there's an impression coming up because the user is approaching, you know, a, a, you know the end of a level. So the SDK recognizes it. Um, Google have first look. So actually Google then run a auction uh, with all of their demand partners. Now, demand partners on a Google auction will often be DSPs. And so, DataSeat is a you know is a is a bidder is a DSP that has a seat on has a seat on the table. Now, 
in that auction, the bid request itself includes a huge amount of data. I'll just focus on some of the obvious, most, most common ones. It, it will include a device ID. Um, it includes the, you know, the, the phone type, the model, the make, the model, the operating system, which publisher is a major variable, um, as well as you know, the ad slot. What is the ad slot? Is it video, rewarded videos, interstitial, is it banner? So the bidder, the DSP, interprets all of that information and then through its own algorithm, which often will should involve uh, a prediction on the likelihood for that impression to turn into a valuable user. So there's an, a prediction element. And there should also be an element of the potential future value if, if, if it does convert. Um, that calculation should then lead to that demand side placing a bid on that impression. Can I, just, can I just want, just, okay. I want to interject really quickly because um, I think this is important to flag here. Um, and, and I also want to talk about it later. So, okay, you just listed a whole bunch of attributes of that impression, right? Um, like the, pu the publisher uh, that's serving it, the, the, the actual uh, slot that it's in, like the format, um, mm -hmm. the de device type, the, the sort of any, any geo attributes of the user. Like that's, that's a lot of stuff, right? Those are like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different um, uh, dimensions, basically, of that, of that. Sure. that uh, impression so okay so then if you think about how could i actually come up with a bid for that right so like i could come up with a bid at the publisher level i, I could say you know if i'm just sort of like guessing right like and and, and even put put aside the fact that this is cpm and i have to translate it or i have to sort of like um uh i have to convert it into a cpi uh price for me which which is how i calculate my sort of ltv cac sure. um uh differential let's Put that aside. Let's say that even if I was bidding on a CPI basis, like so there was somehow a way to do that. Um, for me to do that on my own, I would need a ton of data, right? Yes. Because even if I was just doing it on a publisher basis, forget, imagine this publisher only had users from that were iPhone X in the US. They only had exactly one ad slot, right? So all these things were constant across every single impression they served. And it was just a publisher. Mm -hmm. And I was only bidding CPI. I would need a ton of data to get a good value for that, to, 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 to sort of like intuitively know that I'm gonna make money buying that impression, right? So even if, if it was just basically one thing that I had to, 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 to use to sort of make that estimate, it, I would need a ton of data. Now, when you, when you say, okay, it's that thing, it's that one, because all the, when you dimensionalize this, the, the, um, the, the, the number of variants increase um, by multiplication, right? So if there's like X different ad, uh, potentially add uh, placements in the app and there's you know however many different phone types and you know there's however many different uh, geos like that if I want to have like coverage for all of that I mean it's just like an immense amount of data that would be a, a task that would that would be like uh, a, a, a very sort of challenging thing to do to provide coverage on all those things to be able to create act like like meaningful um, well-informed bits right mm -hmm. Okay, I just wanted to stop there to point that out. Uh, please, please. please. Uh, no, 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 absolutely, I, I, I concur. It is, it is a, a, it's a very complex subject matter. I think there's becoming a lot more knowledge and transparency through people like yourself, you know, you know encouraging podcasts like this. Um, when it, something is complex and it's poorly understood, that's when it's most often arbitraged out, or outsourced out, you know, to, to, to what is le uh, less transparent um, DSPs, which is, what which is what's happening today. I believe the more people that uh, understand it, uh, the more 
people that are likely to take control out of it and actually make it a, a profitable functioning part of, of, of their own business as advertisers take it, take it in-house. But, but you are quite right, it is complex and you do need a lot of data. Now, data is either going to be data that you've generated during a training phase to a campaign. So if you have a machine learning model, a data science, uh, sorry, a, 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 an algorithm, it has to be trained. And that is by, you, you run a campaign for a period of time, uh, you set some sensible limits, you know, so only spend so much on, uh, on on certain publishers, otherwise you would quickly, you know, spend all your money on, you know, word life and, you know, colour by numbers. Uh, so when you've got those sensible, you know, kind of caps in place, you run on many publishers, and then what you actually do is you start identifying trends. You start identifying trends that actually you get best conversion rates, you get your best users on a Saturday night between 8 and 12 on this publisher. You know, so during a training phase, you generate some of this huge amount of data. This is what you know, you were talking about, you need a huge amount of, genera uh, of data. Yes, you do. You run a campaign with some, sen with some sensible parameters. You then are able uh, to use machine learning and, and AI to identify patterns, you know, in that initial campaign that were then leading to performance of your campaigns. And this is like a, a constant loop. It's constantly evolving, constantly improving. Um, so th so that, that, that is a, a typical machine learning way to, to learn from your own campaign. Now, of course, there is other variables, you know, that, that exist in the market, and that is what you already know about those users. Now, if you were running a retargeting campaign, that is what the, you already know about your users. That is, can be a very strong variable in, you know, in, in, in how you bid. You know, a, a, a valuable user you want back, you'll bid more for than a less valuable user that you want back. Um, and of course, then on UA is quite different. And there's, a, there's another subject matter that, you know, per, that perhaps we'll discuss um, later in your podcast. I think it's especially good to, uh, to plant a flag in this as well, because it sort of ties in to, the, um, to something else I want to talk about. So like, okay, so if I know this user, right? I mean, so, the, okay, if, if I'm, if I'm um, just looking at a bid stream uh, uh, or an RF, RFP stream, uh, request for bid stream mm -hmm. and uh and i'm just i've got a bunch of different attributes of these users but i don't know who they are right they're just they're they're totally unknown quantities to me but I've, i have these attributes i need it i need a, i need a model right i need, I need a model mm -hmm. to push those attributes into that'll spit out basically a, a bid and a, C, a cpm bid at that that i know will then back out into a cpi that's acceptable to me right but another way to approach this is to just say, okay, well, in this, in this request for bid stream, I'm just actually going to look for people that I already know, right? I have a bunch of data on some users and like, hey, user ID X, uh, hey, that I, he spent a lot of money in my, in my one game. So what I want to do is I want to acquire him because I know he's got money, right? That's just another, that's another approach. That needs much less data. That needs knowledge about these users that have spent money, but I don't need a model per se because... I just know that this user spends money. I, just, I need I need much less data in order to do that kind of well. I think I think you're right to highlight it as because I believe it is one of the biggest, most immediate opportunities that is currently being missed by advertisers. I think advertisers are sitting on a huge, particularly if you look at gaming, uh, and particularly if they have multiple titles. Mm -hmm. So I think they're, and which is a huge part of our market. I think they are sitting on a huge amount of very valuable data that they are not monetizing as effectively as they can do. And your example is, 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 is a great example. If, if you see a device ID that has been a good user, depositing user, high LTV user in one of your games, and they've lapsed, you may even retarget them 
to bring them back to that game. And you would bid higher for that user because you know it was worth more. But let's say they're just not interested at all. Well, that, that, that data is still worth something and it's still actually valuable to you yeah. because you have these other games. So actually, you can then multiply that by all of your games. You've got all of these uh, dormant quality users. You know, there is ways to then start. It, you still need a model, to be clear. You still need uh, some machine learning uh, models to identify uh, the likelihood that they're going to re-engage and their potential future value. But if you, if you take those two variables, um, you then end up with a dynamic bidding strategy to which, will, which, which its pure goal is to maximize the value of, of, of the users you already have. Right. And, and, it, and it, it seems to be like it, it, it's because of the lack of detail and the lack of information people have around programmatic and how they can do it, it seems to be a missed opportunity in the market at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to, to yeah, to, to your point, I mean, you need a model. I'm just saying, like, it would be, I need much less data to do it kind of well, right? Like, I know this person monetizes, so, hey, I know I'm getting a monetizer at least. But, yeah, you'd want to have some sort of LTV uh, model that gave you some certainty that that user would ultimately be worth what you're paying for them. Because you, you'd still need a bid. You'd still need a bid price, right, that, that was calculated for that user. But I wanted to flag this not, not because I think it's useful for advertisers, just because I want to I wanna throw a bomb later. I suspect I know. I suspect I know what's coming. But but yes, yeah. you 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 are absolutely right. Though, uh, you know, running this type of campaign when you own the data, it, it not only you have the data, uh, it's actually a lot easier for you to write machine learning algorithms that will be ROAS positive, you know, for that type of campaign because you've already got one of the biggest variables, which is that you know that value that user was a depositor. You know, and you own that data. That, that, that is hugely valuable and you should use it and, and most people aren't. Um, but yeah, I, I compare that to UA where you're, you're just out there in the ether trying to find new users. Yeah. You know nothing about them other than it's an iPhone SE, you know, on this publisher, etc. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 but we can discuss that uh, in more detail later. Yeah. Um, okay, thanks. So I appreciate the, um, the overview that you just gave to us. I think that's super helpful. I mean, you'd be surprised. So one, so I, you know, I run the, the website Quanmar and, uh, and I was just, when I first launched it, I was trying to like think of, uh, you know, it's, it's a question and answer site, right? So like, it's like a stack exchange for, for quantitative marketers. And I was trying to think of ways to just drive SEO value. And so I, I did a lot of like questions about like Facebook VO, AEO, and those ended up like blowing up. I mean, the, the amount of search traffic. So Quanmar, uh, the funny thing about Quantmar is that like the traffic goes up and up and up every month, but then the kind of the activity sort of plateaued um, mm -hmm. in terms of new questions being asked. But it's just like the 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 search uh, uh, intent for a lot of those keywords just gets stronger and stronger over time because there's just like a total dearth of good valuable information, especially around like Facebook uh, campaign strategies, um, around ad monetization best practices. Um, and so it's like the, the traffic is just like sort of just up into the right, even though people aren't really um, writing as many questions as, as they were like six months ago, just because there's so much search interest in, in these topics. But anyway, so I wrote, uh, so I was like, okay, well, I, I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try to talk about programmatic and see if that drives a lot of SEO value. And so I wrote like, what is a DSP? And that is like one of the top, uh, top, um, uh, Google driven uh, articles by page views because so many people are just searching like what is a DSP and I just I, I thought it was 
interesting that the people in the field, you know, this is their livelihoods, right? Like people's careers are in UA mm -hmm. and, and they couldn't really explain what a DSP is. Even even though they they sort of indirectly work with one, you know, as their job, as like the sort of primary yeah. output of or the primary sort of um, function of their job is interfacing it, with DSPs. But it, okay, it, yeah, it, 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 it just let, add, add a flavour to that because I, I came across that across that a lot. Actually, the marketeers that I'm pitching to actually didn't know the intricacies of you know of, of bidding and CPM and first price and second price. And and, and I know and I asked myself a long time, but why is that? You know and and it's because of the arbitrage business model. There is a DSP out there that will be selling installs or even registrations or deposits. As soon as they do that, they have an incentive to have an opaque business, right? You, all you're buying from them are installs or users. They, you know, they don't want to tell you, uh, well, they don't want to tell you which creative, which publisher, how much they're bidding, what their profit margin is. Because if you understand how much they're bidding, they'll, you know, the client will quickly figure out how much money they're making and then start negotiating. So the whole arbitrage business model actually creates this environment where people don't know how it works. And when people don't know how it works, how it works there's often you know, room for uh, people uh, you know, cheating the game, maximizing margins for themselves. And, and what we're doing is the complete opposite. You know, we, we, we want transparency. I want to participate in podcasts like this to explain that it is complex, but you know, when you understand it, it becomes IP and uh, additional profit for your business. Mm, anyway, right. Thank you. I just wanted to add. Um, yeah, so I want to shift gears um, yeah. kind of completely. Uh, so a couple of months ago, I wrote this post called Apocalypse Now. Uh, no, Apocalypse Soon. I, I forgot the title. Hold on. Uh, let me pull it up. Apocalypse Soon. Um, it's called Apocalypse Soon. What happens when the iOS advertising idea is deprecated? And um, I remember it well. Yeah. yeah so you, you and I, you, you actually were really helpful. Um, while I was writing this post, I, I, um, I asked you for a lot of input. Um, and you, you, you provided really great input. Um, and I wanted to talk about that because I think, um, there's, I think there's aspects of this that people, so basically let me just walk through the post. So I, I kind of, um, I made the case for why Apple will dep deprecate the IDFA. Um, and then I walked through like a hypo hypothetical timeline for how that would happen. And so in the article, I, my, the, the timeline I proposed was that basically they would announce at the, um, the next iOS version at WWDC someone would dig into the developer docs and then they would find that um, the IDFA uh, is, is no longer, um, it, it had been, it's, it's zeroed by default, right? So, so um, Apple has limit ad tracking, which allows users to zero their IDFA, which basically just um, removes this um, personal uh, identifier that's only supposed to be used for advertising purposes. So it, it just makes it all zero. So it's, it's not unique anymore, right? And so my hypothesis was that the new iOS version would have that zeroed by default so that users just had no personal um, advertising identifier anymore. And then, um, and then they would, and then so all these ad tech firms would like scramble and they would, they would say, okay, well, we're fine because we've got fingerprinting. And then Apple would say, actually, fingerprinting is no longer allowed. And so basically it would become impossible to identify a user um, by their device. And, and so that, that article like, it 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 um, it did it did pretty well in terms of page views. I mean, it got circulated a lot. And, but then I think there was like a kind of uh, sometimes this happens. There's like um, some tremors that happen over the next few weeks, and like and then I'll find that you know some 
uh, publication kind of, uh, you know, sort of like referenced it or, 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 or summarized it um, and sort of like borrowed from it. And, and so you'll see the page view spike. I mean, actually, I remember there was, it was actually one of the, the, it was the best, one of the best uh, page views in, in terms of page views. Well, so anyway, there's a lot of interest in this topic. And I remember the reason that I wrote it was because I was at a conference and everybody was talking about this. Like everyone was freaking out about it. And so I figured, okay, this is something I should dig into. Um, and so we, we talked about it and that, that was really helpful in writing it. I kind of wanted to talk to you about it now. So my sense is that now the timeline probably changed because uh, of COVID. Um, but I kind of wanted to just get, you know, your input here. Like what, so what exactly do advertisers lose if the IDFA is deprecated? Like what, but, but very like tactically, what do they lose? So um, obviously retargeting is really hard, right? If there's no ID to target. Uh, do they lose lookalike targeting on Facebook? Do they lose custom audience? Do, do the SANs get hit by this? Because SANs have their SDKs in apps. And I, my sense is that there's probably some sort of deal that they get to cut with Apple. Mm. What, what do you think? What do, what do advertisers lose? Sure. All right. It's, it's a, and, and obviously, they're just, just, just my opinions because neither of us have got crystal balls. Although I will be looking at the WWDC in June. And you know, the first thing I'm going to do is look at the new version of the operating system, see whether the device IDs are hashed out. That's the only way we're going to know. Uh, whether it, it, it my uh, opinion is it will have a hugely negative effect on our industry and by that I you know I'm not talking about does it improve consumer privacy yes we arguably it's going to improve consumer privacy but the negative effect it has uh, on advertisers but mostly their advertising ad tech uh, suppliers and partners is is huge All right, think about attribution you know think about their, their MMPs what the previous business that I found it uh, it, it relies on IDFAs to actually do the attribution back to a click. That's gone. Uh, people say, oh, well, fingerprinting. Apple and Google are as anti-fingerprinting because it's a, it's a, it, it's a method of, of attribution that you can't even opt out of. You know, at least with IDFA, you can reset it or set yourself as a limited ad tracking user. Fingerprinting is, first of all, it's not very accurate, which we can discuss more uh, later. Uh, secondly, Apple and Google are even more anti it, so don't think it's an industry-wide fix if Apple uh, have you know turned IDFAs off. Um, uh, so attribution, I think, have got major problems. Uh, you know, retargeting obviously uh, have you know have got major problems. They're retargeting users based on their IDFA. Even UA, um, and there's different ways for, uh, for 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 doing UA. But even if you could, in partnership with Apple track a download back to a click and there is uh, there's apple documentation referred to as sk ad network uh, you should look if you're an advertising firm have a look this came out two years ago so apple is all already preparing for mm. uh, some attribution uh, method methodologies but that will just allow a download to be attributed back to a click what it won't allow is for what all you know advertisers currently do and use an idfa to track downstream events mm -hmm. You know, so one of the major implications for advertisers is that they may be able to have some kind of download conversion, but after that, there's no LTV or, or down funnel events that can be measured and attributed back to the marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I've spoken to a number of advertisers that you know just appear to me to have their head in the sand because this is potentially two or three months away, and you know they're not really strategizing or talking about you know what the alternatives are. Mm. Um, some people that are in those say, what about IDF fee, ID for vendors? 
and, and, and that's a good question, but I don't think it's, it's the answer because an ID for vendors is what a gaming company can use to recognize that it's the same user in five of their different games. You know, mm -hmm. it's how your same wallet appears in, mm -hmm. when you're in different games. Uh, that cannot be mapped to an IDFA, and an IDFA is what is attributed to a campaign. So I think, I think that there's many negative effects, but one that advertisers will feel immediately is I can't do my LTV calculations per channel, per ad group, per, mm -hmm. per, per, per creative. It will affect things massively. But the, the, the reason they'll be doing it, and, and you know, I was you know, working you know, at a firm called Critia when ITP first came out, you know, so Safari ITB, Intelligent Tracking Prevention, uh, Chrome soon followed suit. My opinion is this is happening. I mean, why do this on browser, uh, you know, on, on browser desktop world for consumer privacy and not do it for app? Yeah, I mean it, it is happening, and I just think the number of people who've got their head in the sand because they don't want to think or talk about it is is, is huge. And I think we need to be strategizing more. Um, right. just, I mean, you, you asked me a question about self-reporting networks, but uh, please back over to you. To, uh, uh, well, no, just to, just to piggyback on what you said. I mean, so I remember part of the impetus in writing the article was that just before that. Um, so first of all, Google had announced no third-party cookies, right, in Chrome, mm -hmm. yep. and uh, Safari then announced that. And then um, Facebook uh, basically stopped. They, they announced that they would stop allowing uh, device tracking through view through, uh, mm -hmm. which is rolling out in like two days uh, as of the recording of this podcast, which is what the 21st. I think yeah. it's, it's tomorrow or the day after. So um, it just feels like there's a lot of indicators here, right? It's like, uh, you know, you're seeing those little ripples in the water that kind of indicate there's about to be a tsunami. Um, and I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, some people just have never even considered this, you know, it's, I think it's hard to consider these kind of like big picture tectonic shifts. If you don't really even know how the day to the day to day sort of like mundane mechanics of how your how, how your business operates, like, right. If you're thinking about, Agreed. you know, if I'm a UA manager, I don't really even understand how, how these users are coming to my app, but I have a, output of an LTV that is created by the analytics team and I have a, a way to input that in a Facebook ads manager interface it's just like well okay you know that's that's that stuff's uh that's just sort of like uh, uh these these sort of like uh fate uh you know fate altering um uh these fate altering sort of uh changes that I just can't control so I'll just sort oh, of like yeah. wait until they happen <laughs> I, lo I like your analogies. This is like waiting for the 200-year quake, right? You yeah. know, you've got, you got no concept of what it could mean to you. Yeah. And you don't really know when it's happening or not. And you don't know what will happen if it does happen. So therefore, don't think about it. But, yeah. that, that, it, that, but I think it has that type of implications. I think it will have the, the biggest negative effect. I think it will be like a tsunami, an earthquake uh, to our industry. Um, I, you know, I, I hope... Right. First of all, I suspect that S, uh, 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 SANs, SRNs, the Facebook, TikToks, Google, mm. Twitter, the world, the, the ball gardens, they will, I'm sure, no doubt, you know, have some, uh, you know, kind of open channel and partnership and of ways to track with Apple and Google. I think that's that's I, th I think that will happen. What I hope is that uh, credible, uh, you know, established uh, firms such as my own, uh, you know, and others in the industry that aren't these wall garden, you know, public. Goliaths also have the opportunity so that we are adding huge value to ecosystem. Can we be part of 
you know, this, you know, whatever is the new privacy compliant way to, to be able to track a download. And if you look at the SK ad network, that is the start of yeah. this. Right. Uh, it's quite it's quite hard to engage with anyone on the end of that. I'm not sure whether there there there, there is, but I, I I hope that there will be a way that credible ad tech firms that aren't public uh, SRNs you know can still engage. Uh, but to be clear, those uh, businesses that are entirely dependent on IDFAs will be screwed. You know, so right. if you are a retargeting only app uh, provider, mm -hmm. I don't, there's no fix. If, if you're a data marketplace, you know, enriching programmatic with data, it's yeah. all based on IDFA. If IDFA is your primary key, you're, 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 you're screwed. If you have a, a different, you know, a varied value proposition, I think you're going to uh, figure out ways to continue to add value. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. And then, so kind of switching gears again, um, back sort of like tangentially related to what we were talking about before. So, okay. So we kind of established that, you know, in order to do, um, in, in order to create like a real bid model, uh, on a CPM basis for, you know, like for, for programmatic buying, you've got all these different dimensions, um, all these different attributes, and you just need a ton of data in order to do that. And actually that's one of the things that, um, that, that sort of it, it exists as the primary hurdle to a lot of companies that want to go programmatic um, is that they say, okay, well, I want to go programmatic. I, I, get, I get the mechanics. I understand how this works. Um, mm -hmm. And so they'll go and, and they'll, they'll get a bidder and they'll start buying. And they realize like, wow, I've got to just basically invest in the data. Like it's not even a matter of trying to buy. To, if you're trying to do a user acquisition, it's not even a matter of just trying to like, just, just, um, just, just buying new users uh, and maybe losing money on them. You just don't even know what to bid, right? Because mm -hmm. it's sort of like without, like you have just this cold start problem of like, I have no data on how, because you, when you're doing UA, just from like an ad network or from a, an ad platform, you mentioned those, those sort of dimensions that you used before. And it's, it's kind of like these really high level dimensions like geography, um, platform, um, and source, right? But when you start mm -hmm. to write programmatically, you've got all these dimensions that are like basically properties of that ad. And, you know, you have no idea where to start. You just have zero uh, sort of historical performance data on anything, much less, you know, on that publisher, much less the, the, the placement, right? Or, you know, the, the geo, you know, we, you might have the geo, but the, the, the exact placement or, or whatever. And so you just have, you have nothing to go on. And so I, what I see happen a lot of times is people start buying and they just get blown out. I mean, you know, the, the traffic is basically worthless because they're just sort of guessing. And they, they, then they realize, okay, wow, if I want to actually get enough data, even just for like a handful of publishers, um, I, I need to invest a lot of money. And it's just sort of like learning what those users are worth. Um, you know, someone who comes from, you know, this placement, on, you know, who's on this phone type, you know, who's in this app, that's a lot of data that you need to aggregate, right? And so then everyone, and then like almost invariably, everyone who's tried this in-house says, okay, you know what, now let's use this for retargeting. And so then they just start retargeting their own users using this bidder, which seems like an expensive way to do you targeting, to do retargeting, like just to, just to have your own bidder, your own info to do this. So I guess, or, you know, they say, okay, well, I want to do programmatic, but you know, there's all these managed services that do programmatic. So if I, if I go to one of these managed services, I'm doing programmatic, right? And so I guess my question for you is how does that managed service avoid the same problem that this advertiser faced, which is not having enough sort of like proprietary data 
to make those to to sort of feed those bid models um, or to seed seed those to train those bid models on that user's app or on that advertiser's app and mm -hmm. get actionable like sort of profitable bid predictions. How how could they avoid that problem? Sure. So it, it's a good question. It's a big question. Um, but just to re re recap, there's certain, there's certain points that's worth me confirming that I absolutely agree on. And that is, you know, uh, we've already discussed, uh, you know, retargeting, re-engagement, they, they clients are using their first party data, it performs. We're then separating that out as a default. We're now looking at UA. You don't know anything about these users uh, if you're doing this in-house. And you're right, you are left to having a machine learning model that will learn over time, which publish a day of the week, what type of phone, and you'll start bidding higher. Your observation is that if it even clients that have done that and have spent 10, 100, you know, half a million dollars on doing it, have still said, well, I can't get the performance. And, and the important question then is, all right, what are you comparing it to? Because when you say I can't get the performance, you've got some performance, you know, even if it was $20 CPIs and, you know, and, and it wasn't rise positive, you've had some, some, some performance. And, and so when people say, I have, so UA is hard to make work, they said that, you know, often the feedback was like, I couldn't make it uh, 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 perform. Right, perform against what? And this is your question, because you then said, right, what are they comparing it to and how are they doing it? And your question was, how, how are they doing it? How are the other businesses doing it? And, and this, is, this is actually what in-house is competing against. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to do it themselves, they are actually competing against the way other people are doing it. Now, uh, one of the things I've become acutely uh, aware of, you know, over the last uh, over the last few years, is the number of arbitrage DSPs. So these are DSPs that the, the business model is absolutely legit, but it's an arbitrage business model. They're buying on a CPM, they're selling I's installs or A's registrations, and they make profit and margin in between. That's what I call an arbitrage, you know, uh, DSP. Um, one of the uh, uh, prerequisites, if you wanted to buy installs or registered users from one of these arbitrage DSPs, one of the prerequisites they will tell you is that I need to receive all downloads mm -hmm. so that I can have a blacklist and not serve ads to your existing users. Sounds mm -hmm. completely legit. Cool. I'll set up my MMP to send you all downloads. Mm -hmm. they, more often than not, they'll also say, I also need you to send me all sales events, not just for attributed, but for all, because that allows me to optimize uh, to ROAS. And it also allows uh, and it also allows them to uh, to see what their impressions, even if they weren't attributed down, like what their impressions have led to sell. Makes sense. So the client sets up to send them all sales. What is actually more often than not is happening behind the scenes. That DSP is building a device graph. Now it's important to understand the definition of a device graph. Let's just imagine you don't just have one client doing that. You have ten and then a hundred. Mm -hmm. Imagine all that data that is being fed into that arbitrage DSP they actually record that data. So that would mean that they know, Eric, they know your IDFA. They don't know it's Eric, that's important. It's not PII. Yeah. It's, not, it's not personally identified, but they know your IDFA. And because they have 10 match three gamers, they actually know that your device has got three match three games on it. Mm -hmm. And they know that you deposit at least a hundred bucks a month. Mm -hmm. So you're a whale, you're a match three whale. So, yeah. so it's, it's not going to be match three whale, but yeah. it, that, that's what a device graph could highlight. Through another idea, it may be a frequent traveler, right? That actually books a hotel, not at the moment, but you know, books a hotel, 200 bucks hotel every month. Right, what happens when their sales team goes and gets an IO, you know, from match three gamer number five mm -hmm. and travel company number three? You're right, now put this into the programmatic bidding environment that I was talking about. 
what they have is a device graph. I mean, arguably, more often not, depending on jurisdictions, but is it CCPA compliant? Is it GDPR compliant? Possibly not, depends on the consumer, consumer you know, consent that was given. Often that isn't given to share with third parties to monetize and, and build profiles, which is essentially what it is. So, so those, what it, is being compete, or what it is being compared against, more often than not, is a device graph bidding model that actually, it's ignoring all of the hard, clever stuff, which is day of the week, time of day, which right. publisher, which creative. It's just saying, what do I know about it? Yeah. I know that Eric's IDFA is a match three whale. I'm going to bid real high uh, with my next, my, my next match three advertiser. Right. And, um, and I personally, I don't think that model, but that model does drive performance, to be clear, which is why it is popular in the industry, which is why I think lots of people got their head in the sand about is their data actually being cross-pollinated and used uh, to benefit your competitors? My answer is yes, I think it is. Um, uh, but I don't think it'll last the test of time. Um, if IDFA is deprecated, that whole model is, is gone. Um, yeah. And I think it is one of the major drivers, by the way, as to why Apple will deprecate IDFAs. Because um, I think that Apple see it as a immediate, uh, you know, breach uh, of privacy and what IDFAs were meant to be. Therefore, they're not meant to be there uh, for all advertisers to share them with a bunch of middlemen that builds profiles and make billions of dollars by doing so. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it drives performance, but then you have to ask yourself, like, over what timeline? Because if I'm an advertiser. And okay, so just, just to take a step back. So like a lot of these companies, they, these managed DSPs, they'll say, hey, look, you know, we've got you know, some pretty awesome machine learning technology. It's, it's like, you know, these people, you know, if they weren't working for us, they'd be working for, you know, NASA. Uh, these, these are amazing, um, you know, just sort of like cutting edge uh, machine learning technologies that we're using to sort of find you the right users. Really, what they're doing is they're just saying, "Okay, I know this person spends money, so I should I should try to get this person." And I think they're not even really a lot of times using those kind of bid models that we were talking about, saying like, "Well, what's the probability of converting in this game?" We'll just say, "Oh, you match three payer, good uh, bid," you know, and, and <laughs> he's like a caveman. And 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 I think that what and okay, so that works, yeah, in the short term. But like, okay, now that I've just given a bigger competitor all of my spenders how long can I expect for my business to remain viable, right? And I think that's one thing that just advertisers don't think about is it's like, yeah, in the short term, this might help because yeah, in a, in a way you are benefiting from other people's data, mm -hmm. right? But the, first of all, these companies recognize that they've got to placate the biggest spenders, right? Mm -hmm. They just have to, that's that's because it's, again, it's, it's just like, it's almost like an affiliate kind of model. And so they get, they only get paid when, you know, they get paid like a like just just that 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 um, delta on the install price and what they ended up bidding. So whoever's spending the most money and has the most wherewithal to keep spending money is going to be their their you know primary source of income, or at least their, their sort of like um, highest priority source of income. And so like if if it comes between you know company A, which has uh, 10 games and is spending, you know, 10 million a month and company B, which has one game is spending 500 K a month. They're going to preference company A because that, that company it, it has, is providing them with more revenue. Right. So it's, it's not like these companies pay like a fixed monthly fee to participate. They pay on the basis of what they spend. And so they need to, they need to prioritize the highest spenders. And so sure. the, the company B is just so happens to be, 
you know, sending all of their data on spenders and making company A more formidable, right? So that, and I think it's just, a, it's, it's, it's problematic. It's problematic for advertisers to be giving un, unknowingly. It's a difference if, if these companies were upfront about it and say like, well, you know, you, you get your spender data, this other guy gives his spender data. And then like we, when they churn out of that, or, you know, if they were just transparent about it and just kind of explain the dynamics, some people might say, yeah, you know what, it's worth the risk. But people it's, don't even recognize that this is happening. Yeah, I, yeah, it, 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 what is happening today is a non-transparent, uh, non-consented data co-op is, yeah. is, is what you've just observed. And, and I agree with your other observation because there is only, there's a finite number of whales, right? There's, in gaming particularly, yeah. there's a finite number of depositors, there's a finite number of whales. And, and, and your dynamic that you've, uh, an observation you made is, is correct. If there's only so many max three depositors, well, whoever is serving the adverts, the DSP in the middle, will serve the adverts to the, for the advertiser that's going to make them the most money. Yeah. Um, so actually, I, I, I agree with that point. You, you made a, a, another point, and I'll, I'll, I'll expand on it, in that when, uh, when, when, when marketeers, uh, when advertisers are assessing CPI and ROAS, what they're not taking into account is the cannibalization effects of this business model. Yeah. Right. So, so yes, uh, they've got these installs and, uh, and yes, it was ROAS positive and compared to my in-house programmatic campaign, the performance wasn't quite, wasn't quite so good. But then what you must uh, calculate is, is how many of my users, uh, you know, have actually been cannibalized by my competitors because of this opaque business model. Right. And then when you compare that to doing it yourself, where obviously you're not going to be sending your device IDs, you know, to be used by other advertisers if you're doing it yourself, then, then actually it becomes far more comparable. Mm. Um, that's the first thing. And, and, and lastly, to the defense of my peers, I just want to make clear, even the arbitrage business model, um, you know, and I have many friends in the industry that run such businesses, they're, 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 they're not, uh, you know, they, they do have machines, they do have uh, capable, able data scientists. I think what I'm just trying to differentiate is if you had a machine learning model and one of the inputs was a device graph, i.e. what do you know about that device, that will be like a 10x variable right. on the bidding decision. Yeah. You, would you still look at time of day, day of week, which published, which created? You would, and they would still have machine learning models. But my point is, if a whale was, was in a bid request, more often than not, it wouldn't give a, it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't care which published, which, yeah, no, it would right, right, right. So it's how strong a variable. And if you have a device graph, uh, your, you know, that as a variable is, is by far the most dominant um, you know, variable in your in your machine learning model. Um, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I was being unfair with the caveman. No. <laughs> I, yeah. I was just. I know so many people in this industry. I, I I'm not calling the caveman for one minute. What I am trying to do <laughs> is, is 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 expose. Not expose. It, it's you know there is this detail that should be taken control by advertisers, and there is an existing business model, the arbitrage, uh, you know, opaque uh, DSP that doesn't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and it can happen if people understand it, which is why I'm an absolute advocate of sharing knowledge because I think knowledge is power and then, and, and then that can lead to performance and better solutions for all. Yeah. Well, I, I was being kind of unfair. So there's the spectrum, right? I mean, these companies exist across the spectrum. And you certainly see, you certainly meet some of these companies that you, you know. Uh, I, 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 to, to give you a caveman example, I am aware that on the dark web, you can buy device IDs. You can yeah. imagine it within our industry, you know, it's all, you know, private, we're all capitalists, right. uh, you know, they're on the dark web, you can buy device IDs. You know, so, so could somebody run a bidder just with a device graph? Yes, and it would drive performance. 
Right. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, is there such thing as, as the caveman analogy, which is just, what do I know about this device? Don't care about anything else. Yes, and it would perform because it's the most pow powerful variable on the more sophisticated machine learning models. Yeah, and, and you know, the, these, I mean, there are the, the cavemen out there, but they could juice performance for like two weeks a month, right? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you do a test, and say, wow, this test was really great because <laughs> they're just sending all the whales. And then, you know, at some point you run out of those people and you just have to start buying, right? Okay, okay. Um, so I, I guess I just, I kind of want to, I just feel like this is kind of like a topic that some people I feel like are starting to um, become attuned to, which is the idea that like, so I, I guess one tragedy about the, the cavemen, right? One tragedy about the fact that you get programmatic on a managed service working because basically they're just sort of buying people that they know to be spenders for other people and, and those are your spenders, right? One of the tragedies of that is that a lot of people are going to those solutions because they hear that programmatic gives you control of your data and hey, we don't want to be so dependent on Facebook and Google, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to be dependent on Facebook and Google. I want to sort of own my own destiny and programmatic is the way to do that. So I'll just go to, but I can't build the info myself. I don't have the expertise. It's too expensive to invest in the data acquisition. So I'll just use a managed service. And then you end up basically uh, just selling giving away all your, your spender data. I think that's one of the tragedies of this. It's like people actually trying to do something that alleviates their dependence on Facebook and Google. Mm. And, you know, cause Facebook and Google do the same thing. I mean, that when they, what is VO? The VO campaign strategy is just using Facebook's historical knowledge or so, sort of uh, using the, the profiles um, of these, of these people to, to, to only segment out the high spenders, right? So that's, that's, that's what they're doing. So, well, where do they get that data from other people's apps? Um, so you know that you're doing that with Facebook and then you go to programmatic to try to avoid doing that and you end up doing it just the same. Um, mm -hmm. I, I guess that's, I just wish that there was like, but I think people are squeamish about talking about it. Cause well, okay, you could take the defeatist attitude, which is like, well, okay, then if it's, if, if it's Facebook and everybody else, I guess I just have to live with it. That's the model. Right. And then you could also just sort of, you know, a lot of these, you know, these, these companies, they, they do sort of drive performance in the, in the midterm or the short term. It's like, well, okay, but what am I going to do? Cause I need, I, I, I'm, I'm using them and they work. Right. And I guess I just, I, I think like it's important for people to think about this sort of like long-term implications of this. Cause if you're just sort of like circulating around the same payer profiles at some point, you're going to be, uh, you're not going to be the preferred uh, uh, partner for these companies because there's just going to be someone who spends more and their, their, their business is more important. Mm -hmm. I think to your point about finite number of spenders, you know, if, if I've worked with companies that are in the social casino space and they'll say that there's like a hundred thousand people in the world that we're, that we're all going after. And all we're really doing is this, the, the, there are not that many big companies in the social casino space. All we're really doing is circulating users throughout each other's games. Right. Yep. And, and, and we, we like, everybody probably has the same data set at this point. Everybody's reached all these users. And so it's really just a way of, so now like our, our sort of uh, modus operandi is just finding creative that converts even better than, um, than the other person's, right? Because we know that at some point you're going to get bored playing slots casino Las Vegas and you're going to want to come play, uh, you know, casino slots uh, Macau, which is our game. And so like we just, yeah. all we have to do is sort of make sure that we reach those people with creative that, like catches them at that moment and it's really um, enticing. 
And the same thing with like the really core games, maybe there's a million, not a hundred thousand. Uh, and, and, and you know, the, and then you go up and up from there um, in terms of numbers, but there is, you know, if you go to like the, the most sort of monetization focused games, they'll even say like, there's like, there's a hundred thousand of these people in the world and we all just sort of trade them around. Um, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't know where I was going with that, but I think it's no, just like I, the, I, I I agree with your point. You know, so, so so Google and Facebook, you know, they they have B two C apps, so they have the permissions to know this type of stuff. You know, Facebook knows everything about us. You know, even knows what apps you have on your phone, and but they're allowed to because we've we've signed up to these these terms. Google arguably knows the same, but more so on Android, they know which right. apps you download, which apps you purchase from. So, but they're you know they're allowed to. We've, we've got a I've got an Android device. I've accept terms and you know all these terms and conditions uh, and I, I think you're right that advertisers then don't want to be completely uh, reliant on google and facebook so they go to some of these other you know non-goliath you know plcs but there's a conflict of interest there because you know we're both businessmen entrepreneurs you start a business in this space it's, you have aspirations to become as big and power as big yeah. and as powerful as google and facebook right, right, so, yeah. you know so actually the advertiser wants to find one that's not and then they find these ad tech companies that google that have got the aspirations to become a google and facebook yeah. and and they know how they work and they're also competing with them you know so they end up trying to do a, a similar thing which yeah. and going back to your casino example is knowing is knowing the hundred thousand device ids you know and then and then something else but but there, there is an alternative you know and that alternative is to you know is to invest and you know and not to have this short-term comparison to well it the cpis aren't as good yeah. you know you, you need to invest and and if you invest in machine learning in-house uh, for ua your performance improves over time it's this closed loop of you know of, of performance feedback so machine learning algorithm um it won't include a device graph but it will identify pockets of inventory that are delivering quality users that are, are most positive over time and yeah. by the way that methodology for uh will survive the idfa apocalypse right. that's the other thing that you need to bear in mind is actually investing in channels that you know or, or methodologies that's called doesn't matter who it's from but a, a methodology that isn't using a device graph will survive an idfa apocalypse and that's another reasons why you know businesses should be taking it seriously okay we're all, we're at the end of uh, my questions we're at the end of the hour can you please tell us more about yourself what are you doing how can people reach you where can people uh uh find you on twitter uh <laughs> sure, sure. make, make good, a pitch good question where am i i'm at home yeah. <laughs> I, I'm at home with my two small children and, yeah. and, and my increasingly angry wife. Um, <laughs> that's that's where I am. I live in the UK, and uh, fortunately, we live by the sea, so we've got some nice outdoor space. Um, I run a business called DataSeek. Uh, we'd license um, our bidder and our analytics platform. Uh, we have out of the box machine learning algorithms in a completely transparent way, so everything I've been talking about, you know, can uh, can be done and achieved in a transparent way. Um, you can contact me at david at dataseat dot com. Um, our website is data seat it's all around using your own data to have your own seat at the exchange that's uh, the kind of ethos um, of the company and we'd love to hear from people that are taking this topic uh, more seriously thank you David, uh, sorry uh, David thank you so much for, for joining me today it was super informative I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that uh, everybody listening um, learned a lot and it was really great to talk to you thank you sir yeah Good take sir. care